the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by The Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy offers a sports analogy. Wasn't it Howard Hendricks who famously said church reminded him of major football games? 70,000 fans in the stadium desperately in need of exercise watching 22 men desperately in need of rest. Christianity is not a spectator sport. If everybody's been given a gift, then nobody should be on the bench. Everybody should be in the game. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy is reminding us it's always game time. And in the Christian life, there is no time to sit on the bench. We're needed on the field, doing our part as members of the local church. It's the plan God put into effect centuries ago to build up the kingdom and make the gospel known. Today's text is in the book of Romans, where we're learning that we each have a unique assignment. Philip is opening to chapter 12 to share a message he's titled, Highly Gifted People. Here's Philip DeCourcy. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. We're in a series called Total Grace. God gives us grace to minister. God gives us grace to serve Him. And that grace comes in the form of gifts, spiritual grace gifts. As we carry this series forward, we're going to see that God's amazing grace extends to the bestowment of spiritual gifts or graces among God's people for the purpose of mutual edification and gospel effectiveness. Look at the passage, Romans 12, verses 1 through 8, and I want you to notice the wording of verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. The same grace given to us that redeems us, justifies us, and saves us, that same grace also gives us gifts, abilities, capacities to grow the body of Christ and have a life of gospel effectiveness. Spiritual gifts are simply just one more manifestation of not only the amazing grace of God, but the abundant grace of God. So let's come and look at this passage, highly gifted people. So there's three things here. If you're keeping notes, I hope you are. Many of you do, and that's always an encouragement. The argument, the assessment, the assignment. Let's move sprightly here. The argument, verses 1 to 2. This is the setup. He wants to make this argument. Before you give yourself to serving the body of Christ, you will first of all have to have given your body in dedication and consecration to Christ. The one grows out of the other. As you commit to being a living sacrifice for the glory of Jesus Christ and the extension of His kingdom, one of the outlets will be serving the local church. 
And what we have here in these verses is Paul drawing from the Old Testament, from the sacrificial system, from Levitical worship, and he's urging the Romans to give themselves as a living sacrifice to God. God's looking for you to give yourself to Him in relentless service. In fact, this word present your bodies is a word that carries the idea of presenting once and for all. It's a bit like a marriage ceremony where you present yourself to your husband. Now, it's a lifetime of working that out. It's a lifetime of working that out with your wife, but that's the idea. You're giving yourself to Christ in betrothal. Your life is not your own. Your body's not your own. You've been bought. Now it's time to be a living sacrifice. See, before he gets to spiritual gifts, where we give ourselves to the body of Christ, he's asked them to give themselves body, mind, and soul to Christ. Well, Paul, why? Well, let me make this argument. I beseech you by the mercies of God. That's my why. That's my argument. You'll notice mercies are in plural. And so this giving of ourselves to Jesus Christ is to be done against the backdrop of God's mercies. His mercies in justifying us by faith alone and the gift of Christ's imputed righteousness. His mercy in propitiation talked about earlier in this letter where Christ has made satisfaction for our sin by the giving up of himself. In Romans, Paul talks about reconciliation, how Christ has reconciled us to God. He talks about sanctification. He talks about how we haven't come into condemnation and we have now the Spirit of God to allow us to live holy lives. He talks about future grace and shared glory. He talks about the present ongoing prayers and intercession of Jesus Christ. The benefits, the mercies pile up one after another in this book until you get to chapter 11 where, you know what, it's one mercy after another mercy. Paul takes a breath and says, okay, those mercies should produce something in you and me. They should produce surrender, sacrifice, and service. Because of God's relentless mercy, shouldn't we give ourselves continually to Him? Isn't his mercy new every morning? In fact, he uses a word which I love, which is your reasonable service is the way the New King James puts it. It's the right word, reasonable. In fact, it could be translated logical. The Greek word gives us the word logic. I love it. Here's what he's saying. In the light of God's mercies, given the cross, given wave after wave of God's kindness and mercy... Isn't it logical? Is there some other conclusion? Is there another path? No. The only logical response to that is you giving yourself to the one who gave himself for you. That's our Greek word. Logical, normative, credible, appropriate. I think Paul's saying this. It is unreasonable. It's unimaginable that you and I would not live a life yielded to the will of God under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It just doesn't make sense. Surrendering your life to Jesus Christ is the only sensible thing you can do with your life. There's no other path. So that's the argument. Number two, the assessment. The assessment. Please notice that the Apostle Paul prefaces his instruction on spiritual gifts with a call to self-reflection and personal assessment. That's verse 3. 
Having made an argument, he now calls for an assessment. For I say to you, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt with him with a measure of faith. Having spoken about a renewed mind, he now asks them to exercise this renewed mind in a sober judgment of their abilities and capacities to serve the Christ they have just given their lives to. So here's the point. Each believer has been graced by God, mercied by God. That's the argument in the light of God's mercies. Give yourself to Him. So now that you've given yourself to Him and you want to serve Him, and that will work itself out in local church ministry through spiritual gifts. You need to make a sober and measured evaluation of your giftedness your capacity, where you fit in, what contribution you can make to the church. That's what Paul is asking for here in what I call the assessment. We'll come to it in a moment. It's the analogy of the body. We've got two hands, two feet, two eyes, two ears, one heart, two lungs, a liver, a spleen, a stomach, on and on it goes. And every part of the body is there for a specific use, and it's important. And that's the analogy let's have a sober judgment. Let's decide, am I a hand? Am I a foot? Am I an eye? Am I an ear? I've got some place in the body. Listen, every golf club has a sweet spot. Every baseball bat has a sweet spot. What's the sweet spot? The sweet spot is the place engineered by engineers to cause the ball to go kapow. And you and I are engineered by God And we all have a zone, a region, a sweet spot that causes our lives to go kapow. Where we're effective, we minister with joy, and we advance the kingdom of God. Okay, the assignment. The assignment. Embedded in the gift of God's grace in Christ are grace gifts. See, when we embrace Christ, we got the gift of the Holy Spirit who has come to indwell us. And with the gift of the Holy Spirit, we've been giving gifts of the Holy Spirit, capacities, abilities to serve effectively in the body. And I want to say this, everybody has got a capacity. Everybody has got an ability. I'll give you one verse, and then at least I'll read it, and then I'll give you another just to write down, just to prove my point. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, where Paul says this, and it conveys my point clearly, but one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about spiritual gifts, and he is saying here that the Spirit of God sovereignly, by His choice, gives each believer a gift. You've got a similar thought in 1 Peter 4, verse 10. And it's the implication, certainly, of our passage, Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. And these gifts are to be employed for the benefit of the body. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12 tells us that they are for the edification of the church. So, you know what? They haven't been given to us for the purposes of self-congratulation or self-glory. They've been given to us for the benefit of everybody in this room. And the point is also in this assignment, 
just big picture, and then we'll quickly bring out a few points. Spiritual gifts convey a very simple message that Christianity is not a spectator sport. If everybody's been given a gift, then nobody should be on the bench. Everybody should be in the game. Wasn't it Howard Hendricks of Dallas Theological Seminary who famously said that church reminded him of major football games? Where if you go to one of these NFL games, there are 70,000 fans in the stadium desperately in need of exercise, watching 22 men desperately in need of rest. And it's a reminder, typically in the church, there's the 80-20 principle. 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work, and 80% of the people are doing 20% of the work. But I'm, you know, pretty sure there are those of us who are not in the game. And you've been given an assignment. Notice three things here. Unity, diversity, mutuality. We'll just hop, skip, and jump across them for the sake of time. It is worth noting that Paul begins with unity, not diversity. He's going to talk about diverse gifts. But he begins with unity, and that's found in the image and the analogy of the body. For we are many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. This one, you'd underscore the idea of unity. We are one body. The Christian life is a life lived in relationship to other Christians. We must act in unison. Psalm 133, it is a beautiful and a pleasant thing for brothers to dwell in unity, who work in unison who function in a coordinated manner. That's a wonderful thing. Let's just keep with Paul's analogy. A body that's functioning in coordination with each part is a beautiful thing to watch. Watch someone dance. The coordination and the united effort of the body. And you see grace, you see beauty, and you see movement. You see it in the simple act of eating. Okay? My hand lifts the food, my mouth chews the food, and my stomach digests the food. It's the body working together. That's Paul's point. We're a body. We work together. We coordinate. We work in unison. And so his emphasis is on unity before it's on diversity because the diversity takes place in the context of unity. But he does go on to talk about diversity where he admits that we're one body in Christ, but we are made up of many members, each with its own function. The eye, the hand, the foot, indispensable parts of the body, all with various functions. It's a beautiful thing when they work together because more gets done and things happen. But the point is, the hand can say right to the foot, I don't need you. And the foot can say to the hand, I don't need you. That's Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 15. No spare parts in the body, no spare parts in the body of Christ. That's why there shouldn't be any envy among us. We should complement each other rather than compete with each other. We should be grateful for every one of us. Because we're all part of a body, all got a particular role to play 
and we don't have time to get into this in any major way, but look at the seven gifts that Paul outlines. They're seven of probably 19 if you compare them with other lists in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Peter 4. But he talks about prophecy in its purest sense, in its historical context. Prophecy was foretelling of an event that hadn't yet happened. It was a direct revelation for God. It was information you didn't have that only God could give, and you shared it with the people. So the prophet was a conduit of revelation. But here's what's interesting. If you study the prophets of the Old and New Testament, you will see that it wasn't just foretelling. It also included foretelling. You'll find prophets quoting other prophets. They quoted what had already been revealed. They reinforced to the people of God what had already been said and had been missed in terms of their obedience. So the prophet wasn't just a foreteller. He was a foreteller. So in its purest sense, in its historical sense, I don't believe that gift is in operation today. I believe the canon is finished. I believe God is not directly speaking to people apart from His Word. But if the prophets are in the foundation of the church, Ephesians 2, the elder, the pastor, the preacher who takes the revelation already given and repeats it to the people and applies it to their lives, that's an element of prophecy because he's repeating what the prophets have already said. That's a foretelling. And to a degree, that is certainly in operation today. Then we've got ministry, right? Ministry. This is the word that gives us our word deacon. And so perhaps in an official capacity, it speaks of the office of deacon. But generally, it's just those who serve, those who minister to the body. I was with our team last night in the tent, the coffee and donuts crew, and we were just thanking them for all that they do. I reminded them that an army marches on its stomach. In fact, I was telling them a while ago, someone on our staff thought it might be a good idea to cut the donut budget, and we reminded him we would cut him first before we would cut the donut budget. Because it's so important, and those people do a great ministry with a warm cup of coffee and a really nice, delicious donut. They get the people moving on a Sunday morning. That's ministry. That's service. We've got teaching. If it's different from prophesying, it's in some ways the prophet goes for the heart and the will where the teacher goes for the mind. The teacher takes what's already been revealed in Scripture and through study and hard work brings those truths clearly to people's minds and helps them live that out. Exhortation is a wonderful gift. That's the cheerleading gift. That's the person who comes alongside you and encourages you when you're done, acts like spiritual smelling salts to get you up and fight one more round. It's a word that means to come alongside. It's the picture of the parent learning alongside. The child is learning to ride a bike for the first time. You've got your hand under the saddle. You're keeping them upright and straight. You're running along saying, you can do it. You can do it. And they're screaming, no, I can't. I'm going to die. You say, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And then you just send them down the hill. <laughs> you know, that's the gift of encouragement. That's exhortation. It's coming alongside and helping people do what they say they cannot do. Giving with liberality. Well, we're all meant to give. We're all meant to support the Lord's work and set aside on any given day what God has blessed us with. But this would be a gift that's another gear. And by the way, it doesn't necessarily mean wealth. If you remember the story of the widow's mite, 
Sometimes it's what we keep, not what we give, that the Lord measures. But generally speaking, it is those who have an abundance through God's grace, and they give it away with liberality and generosity to the work of God. What other gifts? Leadership. This is a kissing cousin of administration. This carries the idea of being up front, leading, giving direction, mercy, with cheerfulness. Again, we're all meant to be merciful. This is someone that's just got a particular gift, especially towards those hurting in the body, to come alongside them and just shower them with love and TLC. And this is just a sample. This is seven gifts out of possibly 19 when you compare them all. But we've all got a gift, and we're all meant to act in unison, each individual part playing its part. So Paul talks about unity, diversity, finally, and mutuality. It's a kind of an overlap, but I want to go back to a verse in verse 5 that's important. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Here's how John Murray, the great Reformed commentator, puts that. You and I have property in other people's lives. We belong to one another. You have a gift that God has given you for my benefit. I have a gift that God has given me for your benefit. And when I don't deliver, when you don't turn up, you're robbing the other Christian of what is rightfully theirs, which is your gift, your service, your mercy, your leadership, your teaching, your prophesying. That's strong, isn't it? I don't want you to miss that mutuality. We are dependent upon one another. We must live our lives out within the church for the good of others. We don't have all the gifts. Others must supply what is lacking. You and I have a right to each other's giftedness. And when you don't function, you are cheating the church. And you are robbing the people of God. Let's pray. Help us, Lord, to think through the grace gifts you've given each of us, to rally and cry for the church, to give themselves to Christ, head to foot, so that then they might serve the body of Christ enthusiastically and effectively. So help us not to rob or defraud one another by our laziness, by our sitting on the sidelines. Help us to get out of the stands and off the bench and into the game. Help us to find out what that giftedness is and then have a confidence before God by grace to fulfill a missional function within the life of the church and the community. For we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy explains the unity and diversity of the body of Christ as each person uses his or her gifts. We're in a series titled Total Grace, and all the previous messages are online at ktt.org. And while you're on our website, be sure to take the KTT Listener Survey. It's your chance to tell us what Know the Truth means to you. Now, the new year is in full swing, and we're hard at work putting together some great studies for 2019. They include our current study, Total Grace, plus a new series in Daniel and another about heaven. But let me remind you that Know the Truth wouldn't be here without you. 
It's the financial support of faithful listeners that makes it possible for us to share the bold and convicting Bible teaching of Philip DeCourcy all throughout the year. Your generosity is what sends out God's truth through the ministry of Know the Truth. And when you give today, we'll send you a book called Grace-Focused Optimism by C.L. Chase. Philip will be referring to this book throughout our current study, so it's a great resource to keep handy. In this enthusiastic presentation, you'll learn how to live a life governed by grace, the grace that transforms your heart, your relationships, and your love for God. Request the book, Grace-Focused Optimism, when you make a generous donation to Know the Truth. Call us today at 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. And when you visit our website, be sure to let us know how this ministry is impacting your walk with Christ. You do that when you take the Know the Truth listener survey that you'll find on our homepage. This is your chance to share what matters to you most. Again, the survey is online at ktt.org. Again, that's ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Learn more about God's amazing total grace when you join us Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The first time you use Mute can be quite an experience. <laughs> Snoring can happen when your nose is blocked, forcing you to breathe through your mouth. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device designed to increase airflow through the nose by gently opening the airways. I can breathe! You'll get all the air you need through your nose, not your mouth. And with less snoring, there's more chance of sleep. For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more. Snore less. Sleep better. Looking for term life insurance but have diabetes, high blood pressure, or on anxiety meds? If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, or have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost around 200 bucks a month. Affordable term life insurance is out there. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. Four 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 twenty thirteen or BigLou.com. For affordable term life, visit BigLou.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.